Welcome to our Thought Leaders Talk Business Podcast, where we tap into the minds of business consultants and professionals to gain ideas and strategies to help you gain a competitive advantage. I am your host, Debbie Fleeman. Our guest today is Luis Gonzalez, a communications consultant, coach, and trainer who has more than 25 years experience in helping improve business outcomes for organizations. He has successfully driven learning initiatives by incorporating effective communication, cross-cultural communication, customer satisfaction, and soft skills training. Luis works closely with CEOs, leaders, and individuals to positively impact business outcomes through effective communication in global, multicultural, and remote work team settings. Luis has lived and worked in India, Mexico, and Brazil. He is a keynote speaker and is a member of the Association for Talent Development, the Association of International Educators, and the Society for International Education, Training, and Research. Welcome, Luis, and thank you for joining us in our studio today to talk about fierce conversations. A lot of our leaders are questioning how they can best build trust with their remote teams. I'm expecting that you'll be able to shed some light on that topic. Debbie, thank you for asking. How do we build trust with remote teams is the big question. You know, we're all working remotely, not all, but a lot of us are working remotely these days. It has caused issues and problems for those of us working remotely. It's also problematic at some times for the leaders managers, people who are leading teams. So the first thing that I would say is this, look, we're all human beings and science has proven, two Nobel Prizes were awarded actually that prove that we human beings are hardwired emotionally first. We make decisions emotionally first, rationally second. So the first thing for me that comes to mind and what's been in my experience and what I have seen work for other people as we're in this new remote reality, it's not so new anymore. First of all, let's build trust with our team members. If it's already there, great, but we have to ensure that we have some trust and that starts with conversations. So you have a remote team member and I'll ask the question like this. If you're a leader or you have a remote team and you're having conversations, you're having calls, conference calls, Zoom calls with your teams who are remote, are you always just business driven? Are you always just sticking to the agenda points Or are you actually taking time to check in with your people, spend five minutes with non-agenda items such as, hey, you got a lot on your plate. How are you doing? What's keeping you up at night? What ways can I support you? So that's the first place I start is by building trust through conversation. Conversations are so important. And when I say conversations, and you mentioned fierce conversations, what we mean by fierce conversations are genuine authentic and candid conversations. Check in with people. If you, have, if you are a manager, you're a leader of a team who's working remotely, I highly recommend that when you meet with your team members, take the time to set appointments individually with your team members, even if it's for five minutes or 10 minutes to just do a temperature check. Just check in to see how they're doing. No agenda-based items at all. Now, I've had people push back on that. I've had people who I've trained and facilitated and consulted with on this idea, and they come back and say, that's, it takes time, Luis. That's a lot of time. Yes, it is time, 
I wouldn't say it's a lot of time, but I know we're all very busy, but it's an investment. I look at it as an investment of five or 10 minutes to build the trust with your remote team members, because when you do that, building the trust and enriching those relationships will go a long way in terms of future uh, deliverables, the, you know, thinking outside the box, going the extra mile, sharing with you, your team members will be more than likely to share with you what's really going on. You'll get more information that way. And it just makes for a better working environment, even when we're working remotely. So why are we talking about this? Why do I even mention it? Why, why are we talking about conversations and why am I talking about, why am I mentioning that's important to connect with people? And by the way, when I facilitate and when I train and consult, uh, when I start talking about human connectivity, to them can sound a little bit warm and fuzzy. And so I like to bring in the data. Why are we talking about this? Human connectivity. Well, I mentioned already earlier, two researchers won Nobel Prizes. Daniel Kahneman in 2002 won the Nobel Prize for proving that we human beings are emotionally driven first, rationally second. So why did that discovery deserve the Nobel Prize? And actually, it won the, he won the Nobel Prize for economics. Why the Nobel Prize for economics? Because the implications are pretty significant. If a company has a relationship with its customers based only on price, we know this, all the competitor has to do, offer a similar product or service for a loyal price. But now I'm going to zero it down to a manager. If a manager of a team has a relationship with its members solely based on an exchange of time and talent for that paycheck, then you're not going to have a very loyal team. And as a matter of fact, your team will become a source for headhunters, not a destination. A lot of people say engaging with my employees is a challenge, especially working remotely. We're not able to see the body language. I'm not able to be there. And, you know, as we say here in California, feel the vibe, the energy. It's remote. Half the time people aren't turning on their cameras. Engaging with my team this year remotely is a big challenge. So if you believe engaging with your employees is a challenge, I suggest you look at the frequency and the quality of the conversations you're having with your team members. I'll remind you and your listeners what I said just a few minutes ago. Yes, we need those agenda-based meetings for sure, but I recommend you check in with no agenda with your team members and frequently, especially now given that we're all separated, we're craving this connection, I believe. Given that we're emotionally driven creatures, we want that connection. So I suggest leaders look at the frequency and not only that, the quality of your connections, your, your conversations with your team members. What I mean by the quality of your conversations is, again, number one, not just going agenda-based. Number two, putting honesty into the conversation, not to imply that you're dishonest, but to be honest in terms of how you're feeling. Hey, I'm feeling awkward right now, still working remotely. It's hard for me to do working remotely. Just being honest and showing vulnerability as a leader adding that into the conversation. Why? Because you'll probably get that out of the conversation from the people who report to you, people who are your team members. So in other words, if I put honesty, authenticity, candor, perhaps even fun in my conversations with my team members, as I engage with them, I will probably get honesty, authenticity, candor, and even some fun out of our relationship and it will strengthen and enrich that relationship. And then the engagement becomes natural and organic. Again, if I withhold 
what I'm really thinking, what's really going on, the people around me will probably do the same thing and our relationships will be unproductive. To summarize everything I've said already, check in with your people. It's about human connection. People are not tasks. We're emotionally hard driven. And yes, we need these agenda-based kind of meetings and action items and all of that. But it is super important now, especially given our current reality, to just check in with your people on a human level. Luis, it is a lot easier face-to-face to have a different and oftentimes opposing viewpoints brought up. How can leaders invite these different and oftentimes opposing opinions so that employees, associates can make better and more informed decisions? I love that question, Debbie. And you said it right there. That is the way we make better and more informed decisions is by hearing different perspectives. And that includes competing perspectives from our own. So I have heard and I have read that Oprah Winfrey and Robert Redford, they both lead their own organizations. They typically open their meetings in kind of that way where they will start by saying something like, hey, here's my idea. Here's what I think we should do. Here's what I'd like to do moving forward. But I also want you to share with me your ideas. I want you to poke holes in my ideas ideas and show me what I don't know. Help me see what I'm not seeing. That'll help me make the best possible decision for all of us. So it's kind of a context. It's a, it's, it's a mindset, if you will, or I'll call it a context that some leaders have. And I will admit, I had at one point early in my career as well. I thought that me as the leader, I'm supposed to be right and I'm supposed to look competent, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what? My role as a leader is to make the best possible decision for the organization, not to be right. How do I make the best possible decision? It's by getting different perspectives. So I I share and I train the people that I train, the people I work with and consult with. First of all, shift your mindset if you haven't already to one where you're actually welcoming and inviting and eager to have different competing perspectives from your own. That's how you're going to make the best possible decision. Now, People have also told me, they've jumped in at this point and said, well, yeah, doesn't that get a little contentious, Luis? Isn't that a little confrontational? You've got all these different ideas that perhaps are even opposing. And I say, no, that's actually a good thing. And it's perspective. Look, at the end of the day, we all have perspectives. We all have different views of reality. And all of us are right. No one is wrong. My reality, though, Debbie, might be quite different from your reality. So we're both able to make better decisions. If I understand how you see things, you understand how I see things. You share with me your ideas and how you think we should move forward. I share with you my ideas. They may not agree. We, can, we may not agree. They may be different opposing ideas, but that's fine. That's actually a good thing because that will engage us in a deeper conversation about how are we going to move forward to this. So I don't look at it as confrontational. It's perspectives. And if I'm in a meeting and I've actually conducted meetings like this in my organization, Fierce, we call it a beach ball team meeting. Why is it a beach ball team meeting? Well, a beach ball, if you recall, typically has different colored stripes on it. We use that as an analogy, the ball, to represent the company. And those different stripes, those different colored stripes represent different departments, different perspectives. Could be legal, HR, operations, sales. They all own a piece of the truth, if you will but it's only a piece. We need all those different stripes, all those different perspectives. So I will hold a meeting 
And I will, let's say if I'm planning to make some sort of a decision or roll out an initiative, or I just want to run something by other stakeholders in the organization to see how my decision will affect them and their team or perhaps clients or customers, I will gather five or six different people from different uh, stripes on that ball, if you will, people who I know will have different perspectives than mine or stakeholders in the organization who may be affected by any decisions I make. We can get together for just a half an hour meeting. We used to do it in the old days in person. It can be done virtually where I share with them, hey, here's the issue I'm working on. Here's the impact, why it's important. Here's what I need to see at the end of the day. Here's the goal I need to meet with this. Here are the options I'm considering. And what I want from you here today is, think tank team members that I've invited here, and thank you for your time. What do you see that I'm not seeing? How will this affect your team? How will this affect you? How will this affect clients or customers if I'm not aware of it? Or do you have any better ideas than I do? I'd love to hear them before I roll out my wonderful idea, or at least at this point, what I think is my wonderful idea. It's a context. It's a mindset. I look at it as as a positive thing, the different perspectives, conflicting, competing perspectives from my own. Great. Bring it on. Devil's advocates, please join the conversation. I want all the weak spots in the plan that I'm going to roll out to be brought into the light so that we can fix them before I roll out this plan and only later find out it's affected stakeholders negatively or worst case scenario, we've lost clients and customers. That's how I look at that. They're not opposing, not conflicting. It's a good thing. Sounds like a great thing. And I love the way that Oprah and Robert Redford have opened up their meetings. When you gain all of those insights, you come up with a far better measurable way to look at decisions. Debbie, the point that I like to make when I'm teaching this in the classroom in a workshop is, look, I don't care how great of a leader you think you are. It's impossible for you to see and know everything that's going on in the organization. You need the trust of the people to say, hey, I'm going to share with you my wonderful idea, but hey, please poke holes in my idea. So it's impossible for any one person to know everything in the entire organization. That's why we need those different stripes on the ball, as I put it earlier, those different perspectives, even if they're competing. Number one and number two, I said it earlier, I was hired in this role and I am paid to make the best decisions possible for the organization, not to be right. So how do I make the best possible decisions for the organization? By inviting my devil's advocates and the people that I probably don't want to hear from because they are probably going to point out the weak spots if I have any in any of my ideas or initiatives. And that's a good thing. Luis, can you give us an example of how you have helped people move forward and achieve some amazing long-term results? Yes. uh, I'll go back to an organization I worked for. This is about 20 years ago, but I like to cite this as one of my personal successes, I guess you could say, in my career. Uh, It was when I was working in hospitality. I previously worked for Ritz-Carlton and Marriott Hotel Companies, and I was assigned as a guest services uh, director to uh, take on a team at a different property And the problem with this particular Marriott property was it had very, very low uh, guest service scores and to the point where Marriott was about to sell off the property. So I was brought in, number one, the main goal for me was to turn that around, turn around the guest satisfaction scores and within my own department of guest services. And what I encountered with this guest services department, and 
for your listeners who may not know what I mean by guest services, those are the people that carry your bags to your room, the people that open the door for you when you drive in, the valets that park your car, the concierge, and the front desk. It's all of the what we call the front of the house. That team had previously had a manager that was a top-down, what I call old-school manager. Do as I say. Here are your marching orders. Do it. They never felt they had a voice. They had ideas on how to improve the processes to make the guests happier and satisfied. And as we used to say at the Ritz, wow, our guests. But those voices were never heard. Those perspectives were never heard. And so that's what I encountered. I walked into this team, a team of about 25 people that were sullen. I could see it in their body language. I could see it in the expressions on their faces when I came. Who's this guy, Luis, and what is he going to do now? Because they had been soured, I guess you could say, by the two or three years with their previous manager. And the first thing I did was I went in, immediately knowing I had to establish trust. I sat back. I did not come in with my agenda. Here's what we need to do. And here's what I'd like us to do. Any of that. I just sat back and I engaged in effective communication, conversations. And this was before I knew anything about what I do now at Fierce. I sat back and said, you are all the experts here. I just arrived at this property two weeks ago. You know what works well here. Some of you have been here in this role for 10 years. I honor and value your experience and expertise. So let's start there. We're looking at our, our guest services scores. They're abysmally low. Here are some of the points. Here are some of the feedback that we've gotten from our guests. What are your thoughts? And it's so funny, Debbie, because when I did that, I remember it so well. This was 20 years ago. I remember I was met with crickets. They were not used to that. They thought there was a trick. I had a trick up my sleeve. I was going to pull a fast one. And I just sat back and I'm going to go, seriously, I honor your expertise. Let's talk about this. What are your thoughts? How should we address this? Let's take this one item here. What would be a better way? How could we improve this process to increase our, our guest satisfaction scores? One of them took the bait. One of them, I remember his name, Jim, raised his hand and he gave his first suggestion. And I remember he wasn't smiling had kind of a sour look on his face and begrudgingly, you know, offered his first suggestion. And I got the conversation going with the team. And I sat back and watched them hash it out, come to a conclusion for themselves on what would be the best way to tweak this process or this procedure to improve the guest experience. And then because it was kind of a low-hanging fruit, if you will, in other words, changing or tweaking this process, if it failed, it wouldn't be a game changer. And if exceeded, it would be a game changer. So I call it low-hanging fruit. You know, the risk is low. So I let them make the decision. Of course, I approved it and said, hey, it sounds great. I think this this will work. Let's give it a try. We enacted that. We rolled it out. New procedure. Within three months, I think it was in one quarter, we got our guest satisfaction report the numbers had ticked up. Now, I'm only giving you one example. We did this a number of times, but this was the first time I did it, where I basically gave them the accountability, gave them the ownership, honored their expertise, and stimulated and encouraged that robust conversation in those meetings that we had where people had differences of opinions on how we should do this. And that was healthy, and that was good. Now, the best part is we got our guest services scores satisfaction scores back. There was a trend going upwards. We had not reached our goal yet, but it was definitely trending upwards. And when the general manager of the hotel recognized us 
for that trend upward in the guest satisfaction scores, I didn't take the limelight for myself because the limelight was shown on me. Great job, Luis. That's why we hired you, brought you over to this property. It's working. I immediately shared the love and I said, hey, this was the team that made this decision. I managed, I led the team, but this was their decision. This was their expertise. They deserve the praise. And so they got the accolades. They got the praise for it. The trust was built. The relationships were enriched. And I started giving them more accountability and ownership. And as that happened, and as they took that ownership and that accountability and saw their successes, it shifted the whole mindset of the team. Our guest services scores went up after a year. They went through the roof. And I had a happy team that cried when I left to go to the next property. They begged me to stay. Now, why? I'm not trying to sing my praises there. What a wonderful person I am or any of that. Why? It's because I showed them I trusted them. I honored their perspectives. They all had valid perspectives that had not been heard for at least two years. And I gave them accountability and ownership and they reaped rewards and enjoyed the successes of that. And that's how I did it. And I continue to do that in a few other properties that I went to with the Ritz-Carlton and Marriott Hotels. Luis, that's so interesting because guest relations, even though we see it in the hospitality, the resort industries, it also is reflective of the way that we treat both our employees and our customers in any type of an organization. I I would agree. Luis, for companies that are interested in improving their communications, if they would like to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to do that? Debbie, thank you for asking. I want to direct people to our Fierce website because we have a resources tab, and I'll share the address with you in a moment, where we have tons of resources that you can actually download for free. One of them is nine fun ways to stay connected while working remotely, which is a little bit of what we were just talking about a few minutes ago. So please go to the Fierce website, and the URL address is fierceinc, F-I-E-R-C-E-I-N-C.com forward slash resources. And you can jump around from there, but I'm directing you to resources because that's where you can see some of the stuff we do and even get some free stuff and download it. So that's one way, please go there. Second, I love expanding my network and networking with other professionals and helping in any way I can and learning from those professionals. So please connect with me on LinkedIn. If you're on LinkedIn, you can find me there, linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash my name. Luis Gonzalez. Send me a quick message. Let's collaborate. Reach out to me. My email address also, it's easy. I love my email address. It's my first name, Luis, L-U-I-S, at Fierce Inc., F-I-E-R-C-E-I-N-C.com. Thanks for joining us today, Luis. Debbie, thank you. It was a pleasure and an honor to be here on Thought Leaders Talk Business. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Thought Leaders Talk Business, where we tap into the minds of business consultants and professionals to gain ideas and strategies to help you gain a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Debbie Fleeman. If you would like to reach me, email me at debbief at creativetechresources.com or pick up the phone and call 847 Nine zero two four one seven five.